Today, I know the last two months we've talked on whom? The devil, the great deceiver, right? And I shared a lot. I know if you can go back online, they're on the website. The talks are on the website, so you can go back and look at them and listen to them again. Um, but I think it would be helpful to do that periodically just to keep us mindful of how the evil one really wants to, you know, he's very present in our life. He's in this room right now in the corner. And he's, afraid, he's kind of afraid to come out because he knows he has no power over us, right? Unless we give it to him, right? That's the end. He has no power unless we give it to him. But we, it's, but we can get distracted and inadvertently give it to them, to him and them, his, his minions, when we turn away from the Lord, right? And it's kind of opens with, we can't be turned to, toward both of them at the same time. Either we're toward the Lord, and that's our shield, or we turn away from the Lord, and then we open the door, the window, the portal, right? For him to, for the temptations to become more alive, more active, more present, right? So I'm not going to go through, I don't have anything prepared today. What I wanted to do is just, so many of you, how many of you, were you uh, have many, how many of you have been here the last two months and you've listened to these talks, right? I kind of want to hear from you what your thoughts about all that is. That's just a little bit of a processing, if you will. You know, what you saw, what challenged you, what was new to you, what was needs, what might need clarification or deeper explanation or explained again or whatever. I, I just think it would be helpful, right? Because I know I can stand up here and just ramble on, right? But I, I don't know if, it's, if that's the greatest use of my time or benefit for you. So. I have something that's probably not related to either of the talks, but it's just a general question. I have something that's not related to either of the talks, but it's probably a general question of Christians and Catholics everywhere. Why hasn't the Pope gone and visited Vladimir Putin in person to speak with him about this war against Ukraine? You would have to ask the Pope that. I can't answer that question. <laughs> he probably may not be allowed in the country. I mean, he's come out strong against the war. And so, um, and so I would suspect that's uh, really the reason why that he, he would not be allowed. I, I would think, and would, would, the, would they meet in a neutral site? I, I don't know, but um, I think the fact that he has spoken out very strongly, he doesn't, you know, I mean, he's always open to a meeting, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know how all that works in the Vatican, <laughs> to be honest. So I can't, sorry, I can't answer that. But. Any comments, questions? Tell me your name. Sue. Does everybody, everyone doesn't know everybody in here. So when you, when you ask, I'm sorry, when you ask a question, tell, you, tell us your name and where you are from. Uh, my name is Sue Krozak. You can hold this. <laughs> my name is Sue Krozak, and I'm from Bay City, and I go to St. Gabriel and Auburn's Parish. Okay, great. And my question for you is, you made a comment and you said, as Catholics, we're good in reading or saying prayers, but we're not good at praying. If you could just talk a little bit how we can become good or better prayers. Okay. Could you answer that for me, for her? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think you could. <laughs> 
Well, there is a difference. I mean, I think you can see there is a difference in saying prayers than praying, right? Because when I'm saying prayers, I'm not always connected, right? Because oftentimes the prayers we say, we just we know them by heart, right? How, how often do you pray the Lord's Prayer and never think about what the words you've just said, right? Or the Hail Mary or whatever it might be, right? Or the Gloria in Mass or the Creed at Mass. We just kind of rattle it off, right? Not mindful that I'm invited to be heart and mind in connection with the Lord, right? So if I'm not thinking, it's like if we're having a conversation and my mind is elsewhere, or your mind is elsewhere, are you listening to me? No, if your mind is elsewhere, it's not. Right? It's kind of that way. The Lord's always present, but we're not always present to the Lord, mind and heart. And, and I'm not discouraging praying the rosary or praying, praying these road prayers that we have memorized or we can read from a text. I'm, I'm not advocating to put all that aside because that would not be a good thing. Um, because the other kind of prayer is more challenging, is more difficult for people because... What, what is prayer is a beautiful encounter with the Lord, right? Where we're connected mind and heart with him, mind and heart, right? Right? But oftentimes, the deep prayer is in silence. I would suspect that most of you in this room cannot stand silence. That's a lot. Right? You get up in the morning, you turn the radio on or the TV. Right? It's on all day, you're home. You get in the car, you have the radio on, Right? You go to work, and I don't know what you do, but there's noise, right? You get back in your car, come home, the radio's on, you walk back into your house, you turn the TV on, right? And it stays on until you go to bed, right? That tells me you don't like silence, that you cannot be in your house with no noise because, you have, because we have been programmed that way because of habit, right? And we're not used to I mean, how many of you could do a 30-day silent retreat? <laughs> 30 days. No silence. I mean, no talking. Right? Imagine that. And I'm thinking, oh my, really? You know? Or an eight-day. You know? Because... So what I'm getting at, there's a difference between saying prayers and entering in... Or just imagine, sometimes when we have adoration... I don't know what happens here, but in some places when they, have a, when they have adoration, they spend the whole time saying prayers. Oftentimes, a lot of it, right? Instead of just being in silence, in the presence of Jesus, right? Sharing what's on my mind and what's on my heart with the Lord. I mean, prayer, all it is, a prayer is a personal encounter with the Lord. But we have to be present mind and heart, right? And so... We can say, we can use, you know, I'm not advocating that we get rid of the rosary. If the rosary draws me into a deeper relationship with the Lord and Mary, beautiful. You know, if any of these prayers that we pray, the St. Michael prayer, whatever it might be, that prayer I've shared with the last couple months, that draws us into this intimacy. I mean, true prayer is all about intimacy with the Lord, right? So whatever the way we can find to do that, but the Lord speaks loudest to us in silence. 
that's the thing. And it's hard. Oh, I get so distracted, right? All these thoughts, I can't settle my mind down and I keep thinking about all these other things and that's kind of, that's the human condition. So the, so people, sometimes they confess that and a, and a confession is that's not, not a sin to be distracted in prayer. Like, where's the crime there, right? There is none. It's, um, that's just part of, it's part of, our human nature, you know. So, you know. So, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's being with the Lord and just sharing our hearts, right? In this encounter, it's like two people deeply in love, right? Words don't really matter. I mean, it's like two people been married seventy years, right? They're driving down the highway and they never talk to each other, right? Does that ever happen? And you ask them why, and one says, "Well, it's." Words, we don't need words. Just being in the other person's presence is enough. That's prayer with the Lord. Just being in His presence, that's enough. But we should be open our hearts and minds and share with Him what's what's going on, right? What are the good things? What am I challenged with? What's the sin in my life that I need healing? You know, so it's really bringing everything in our life to the, before the Lord, right? With great confidence, without shame, right? Right? Without guilt, right? It's just coming before the Lord naked, if you will, right? And just, because he knows it all anyway, right? He knows everything about you. He knows every sin. He knows every, you know, challenge that you have. He knows every disordered passion that we have, every one of them. And yet he what? He loves us all the same, right? Unconditionally. And so it's coming before the Lord with an openness, an open heart, knowing that my beloved loves me unconditionally in spite of all my weaknesses, in spite of all the ways I don't live a saintly life, in spite of all of that, you know? So it's coming, I can come to the Lord and share all that with him, you know? But often I think the problem is we don't, we're not all that reflective people, you know? We think, oh, I mean, I could have done this better. I could have been nicer to that person, but, you know. But when was the last time we went to prayer and said, Lord, I wasn't nice to this person, right? You saw it, right? It's like I told you the story, you know, the guy came to my door, right? And I gave him money, and it was just kind of a way to get rid of him. Right? So he was an object of my charity. Right? He wasn't a child of God of my charity. There's a difference in how we see things. So I took that to the Lord and prayed about it. Right? Right? And the Lord reveals things to us. So if, we, if, if we take the time to be in, in silence with him and share and then listen and just remain in silence. Because then all then. Thoughts will come to mind that come from him or the Holy Spirit, right? You know, we'll begin to think about other things. The Lord will lead us to think about other things because he wants to lead us to healing, right? But I don't think that will happen if we're praying, sitting and praying a prayer book, right? It's not going to happen because we're not getting it. We're not getting to the heart of the matter, our hearts of the matter, right? And so... Why do we go to prayer at the beginning, to begin with? I mean, why do you pray to begin with? What's, your, what's the purpose of it? Because we have to, we're supposed to? 
That's not a very good, that's not a very good reason. <laughs> I think it's a terrible reason, actually. We go to prayer because we love the one who has created us. We love the one who's forgiven us, right? And we're grateful for all that love and that mercy. That's why I go to prayer. I don't go because I feel obligated. Because over time, the evil one comes in and the obligation goes by the wayside. And then the prayer goes by the wayside, right? And plus, a, a love relationship, you know, prayer is a love relationship with the Lord, right? So, do you sit down with your wife and your spouse and have this beautiful, intimate encounter because you're obliged to do that? Right? I hope that's not the reason why. I hope you do it because you love this person. And this person loves you. That's the same way with, this, with prayer. It's being with the one who loves us more than we can imagine. And sharing our love for that person, for the Lord in return. You know, it's about desiring intimacy in the relationship and choosing a way to pray that draws us into that intimacy. Does that make sense? Is this helpful? But, but it's a lot of it is quiet. You have to be quiet. It's being, it's being living with quiet, you know, living in the silence because the Lord speaks loudest in silence. And if our minds and we're occupied, you know, we can't hear the Lord because we're too occupied with something else. Right. We learned a lot of that through this past Lent. Yeah. Hi again, Hector. My name's Hector from Alma, Nativity of the Lord Parish. The question I have is, as fully formed Christians who have had the majority of their sacraments, what, and probably a little life experience and maybe some time in the parish helping out, volunteering, what have you, what else as adult Catholics should we be striving for? The number one thing, in my opinion, is helping people come back to church, talking to them, inviting them. That's it. You're called as a disciple. You know, the whole, the whole purpose that the church exists, the whole reason the church exists, period, is to evangelize. And so every one of, the, of you in, in here, in this room, who have been baptized, confirmed, have received the sacraments, it is at the heart of your call to discipleship, is to evangelize. That's it. And if we're not doing that, if we're not finding ways to do that, then we're not living out this call to discipleship. Right? Imagine if the early apostles kept their faith in Jesus Christ to themselves. I promise you, you would not be sitting here today, nor would I. And so their call to discipleship, our call to discipleship, is absolutely no different than what theirs was. It's not, it's not. Because the call to discipleship is the call to discipleship, right? In all times and ages, it hasn't changed from uh, since the post-resurrection church. It hasn't changed. It's no different for you today than it was for them back then. 
So I think the number one thing, we all know people that don't come to church that are Catholic, right? When was the last time you talked to them about that? When, you, when was the last time you asked them, you know, I know you're Catholic, you know, and, and I, I don't see you at church and, you know, and, yeah, I, I just, can you just kind of, I'm curious why, you know, why? Because I find, I find Mass and the sacraments will still be such beautiful experiences in my life. Like, why aren't they in yours, you know? I mean, how hard is that of a conversation to have, right? That shouldn't be threatening to them, you know? You're missed, right? You're missed. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of this faith community because you live in this faith community and you are missed because we don't see you. You know, we pray for you, but we, but we would love to see you. So it's extending an invitation that's not threatening. They can say, no, I'm not interested, and that's fine. You know, it's like a, you know, you know, people, every, I mean, everybody, anybody a salesperson in here, <laughs> right? You know, as a salesman, you get rejected all the time. But you don't take it personally, right? You can't, otherwise you wouldn't be a salesman, <laughs> right? Because I sold vacuum cleaners when I was younger. <laughs> and I got rejected a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't on me. I didn't take it personally. They just didn't want my products, Right? I wouldn't take it personally if I'm inviting somebody back and they reject that. They're, re they're rejecting my products. I'm not taking that personally. That's between them and the Lord. Right? You're all called to be salesmen and saleswomen for Jesus. <laughs> so go out and do your job. Right? Don't be afraid of that. Talk to the people you know that don't come to Mass. Find out why. Sometimes, you know, statistics, I, this was a talk I gave, I think, in January or something like that, but in February, statistics show 80% of the people would come back if they were invited. Think about that, 80%. So invite them. Call them up. Get a parish roster. Ask your pastor or whomever, you know, who are all the people on this list that you don't see in church? And start, get a committee together and start calling them. Show, we have to, as disciples of Jesus, we have to show our concern about the salvation of other people's souls, not just our own. If it's just our own, then that's very selfish. I hate to put it that way, but that's, re that's reality. Because you have been baptized and confirmed and called to evangelize, all of us. No matter if you're the bishop or, you know, you're, a, you're an 18-year-old person, high school kid. doesn't matter. Right? We all have our we all we have we all have our areas of influence, right? We all do, you know. But oftentimes we faith for many people is just me and God. Well, if if you look at that cross, if this part wasn't there, then it would just be Jesus and the Father, and you would all be excluded. Think about that. There's a reason his arms are stretched out. There's a horizontal dimension to the, to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right? And we're part of that. And we're called to live that, you know, as disciples of Jesus. So I think that's enough on that. But so, so in my opinion, that would be the, the number one thing. And more important than anything else. Because we see how, how 
uh, how diminished our congregations are, our parishes. And it's even more so now that COVID has entered into the reality of life, right? We're, we're, we're nowhere near back to what it was pre-COVID. So what does that tell me? That tells me people were, had one foot in the door and one foot out the door before COVID. And COVID gave them a, a, an opportunity to move both feet out the door and they haven't come back. <clears throat> and no one's make, and we don't make an attempt to invite them back or find out why, you know. Maybe they're suffering in some way and they could use our assistance, right? We, could, we can be a vehicle, an instrument of healing for them. But if we never talk to them, then, you know, and I know it's hard. It has to become habitual, <laughs> otherwise we won't do it. And I'm telling you right now, as we've talked about the evil one these last two weeks or these last two months, he does not want you to do that. He wants those people, those families to be gone forever from this life with Jesus. That's his goal. And so why don't we stand up and fight against him by helping the people that we know have one or two feet out, right? Because the evil one doesn't want, he doesn't, and he's going to convince you, you don't have time for this, <laughs> right? He's going to convince you of that. You don't have time for this, right? When it comes to mind, I should call someone, and then you get busy because he's convinced you that you, this is more important than what you were thinking about doing. That's the way he works. That's the way temptations work. They convince, he convinces us we don't have time for this. This is unimportant. They're not going to listen to you anyway. So why do it? These thoughts will go through our heads. And if those are the thoughts that go through our heads, then you're listening to the evil one. Simple as that. Those are not just your human thoughts, by the way. You know, because he's going to use every temptation that he can to keep you from doing the work that God has called you to. That's the presence of evil in our everyday life, right? Yeah. Evil is not just in the life of mass murderers. Evil is present in our lives as holy Catholics all the time. And these temptations are very, but we have to pay attention to them, right? As I said last time, you know, how many of you spend all evening watching TV and never pick up the Bible and take an hour just to read the Bible and pray in the evening? You spend four hours watching TV and you give all your time to that and zero time to the Lord. Right? Why is that? Why is that? Because the evil one has convinced you this is, you know, spending this, you know, getting, turning the TV off is, you know, <laughs> it's not worth doing the other thing. It's boring. I'm going to get nothing out of it. What are you getting out of watching TV? I, I don't know. I don't get a whole lot out of it when I watch it. It's just wasting time, even though I do it. Right? But all these little temptations, anything that draws us away from the Lord, we can be certain that we have caved to a temptation. It may not lead us, it may not lead us to sin, you know? Watching four hours a night of television and then you go to bed without praying, that's not, I mean, I would say it is sin. That would be like a venial sin, I think, because you've, you've chosen something else Something worldly over the Lord, so that's a sin, but it's not a serious sin, right? But it's still, I think, a sin when we give all our time to something else besides the Lord. But the evil one's constantly trying to convince us to make choices contrary to Him. 
contrary to this relationship with him. All the time, all the time. I face it myself. The bishops aren't exempt from this, just so you know. <laughs> but, so I don't know, I kind of rambled on there, but let's kind of repeat a little bit of what, because I think it's important. Uh, I want to go back. Just and talk into the microphone, please. Let's talk into it. Um, I want to do. want to go back just a little bit. To talk it. loud. You got to talk loud. Yeah. That's on. Just talk loud. Right I into can't it. Talk louder. I'm not in the operating room. <laughs> <laughs> um, just talking about prayer and not always using our prayer book or our written prayers, but I've gone through a period of depression and, you know, going through the written prayers and I've now taught myself to sit down and shut up and listen. Listen to what God's trying to tell Beautiful. The Holy Spirit has taught you. The Holy Spirit has taught you that. Yes, oh yes. And it's helping. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. So, uh, other things about our conversation, the last two buds, I and mean, we can talk about other things, but. Um, can, is this, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, mine is from like the, the devil, the evil one. How do you know if it's the devil tempting you or is everything that's evil or bad, every thought I have that's not particularly really good and wonderful is from the devil or like I know some people who have trouble with their children teenage children and they say well he's got mental illness or the devil's gotten into him so how do you know how do you discern which is which and if it's like what was that comedian that said devil made me do it type of thing you know can we blame yeah flip Wilson. can we blame the devil or anything that's kind of not great or it's bad? Well, I don't think, well, we can blame the, we can blame the evil one on a lot of things, but we have to remember there's three kinds of, there's three spirits. There's the primo Holy Spirit, right? There's the evil spirit, and we have a human spirit. So we have to discern where is this coming from? So if there's a temptation, where is this coming from? Right? And um, so it takes discernment, which means we need to invite, if we have a question about it, then we ask the Lord to reveal to us, where is this coming from? Is this something in me? Is it a temptation? Um, what is it? And, um, and where is it leading me? You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, God only consoles us. That's it. So if we're feeling something other than consolation, uh, it's either coming from a human spirit or the evil spirit, right? What are, and, and that would be in a form of desolation. What are types of desolations? Discouragement, frustration, apathy, boredom. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry? Irritation. Um, you know, for example, let's take irritation, for example. How many of us get irritated? <laughs> Do you get irritated? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> so, so, let's take that for example. So, a situation that comes about and I get irritated. Obviously, 
that irritation is not caused from the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's a desolation. The Holy Spirit only consoles, right? The great consoler, right? That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now is it the evil spirit or human spirit? Okay? I would say it's probably, it depends where it takes me. But on, uh, initially, I would characterize it, it as the human spirit. So what is in my heart, my own human spirit, that's caused me to be irritated by whatever the experience was? Right? Does that make sense? Right? What's in my own heart? In other words, that in itself, that irritation, is coming out of a brokenness in my own heart. A heart that is called to love. If my heart is living fully in love, I will never be irritated. Correct? Because I'm living the fullness of life in the Holy Spirit, who is love, right? So if there's irritation is here, it's coming from a place in my own heart that's not receiving love, the Lord's love. This, it's a part of my own human spirit that's not receiving the Lord's love. So what's broken in my heart by whatever the, whatever the situation was? Why am why am I irritated by that? Why am I letting let myself to be irritated by that? Because there's something in my, in my heart that's not receiving love that needs healing, right? When in fact we should be rejecting whatever. You know, that's why I said you know I've said the last couple of months it's important. Self-knowledge goes a long, long way, right? If you know yourself, if you know those buttons that get pushed by other people or by situations, then we can, we can, then, then we can make a choice how to respond out of that, right? Yeah, if somebody says something to me at work that just totally makes me mad, right? I have a choice in that moment. And I have a choice of one or two things. That's it. I can choose to turn to the Lord and pray for them, not take it personally, because that would be love, wouldn't it? Or I can give in to the button they just pushed. And then I'll respond out of that. Because whatever is in our hearts, Whatever is in our spirit, our own human spirits, is going to come out in some way at some time. Right? If I'm filled with love, that's going to come out. No matter what the situations are going to be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to come out. If there's brokenness there and we know what area of where that's coming from and that button gets pushed, if we're not mindful, then we're going to go in that direction naturally because it's coming because we're, we're, we're acting on a natural tendency of brokenness, an area of brokenness. Does that mean does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the, I'm sorry, the Lord has hardwired us this way. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it or any of us can do about it. But it's paying attention. It's knowing ourselves. What are those triggers in our life that, that make us angry, right? Or that make us react? Like love is, love is, be, is being proactive, right? No matter the situation, love is always proactive, right? Which is quite contrary when a button gets pushed 
the touches on it, brokenness on my own heart, that's always, there's always a, a temptation, if you will, to react. And then it won't be, it, it, it won't be a holy reaction. In fact, it will lead us to sin, most likely. And so that's kind of where the evil one comes in, too, because he wants you to go that direction. Because when we go that, that direction, there's less likely we're going to be receiving love from this direction. Right? So it's always a choice. In every moment, every situation, there's a choice that, that, we, that, that we can make. It's turning to the Lord in spite of being hurt or it's going, entering into the hurt because it's such an area of my life that's, that needs healing. And that should tell us things. So if we think about our own lives and we have our own self-knowledge and, and the buttons that we have, you know, where it always leads us and because we're, we're people who are creatures of habit. And so whenever something happens, we're always going to go there. And so let's begin to, in prayer, this is goes, goes back to praying versus saying prayers. In prayer, we, we explore this with the Lord. Lord, why? What's in my heart? So I sit down in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just be with the Lord Jesus because he's the healer of brokenness, right? He came to heal the brokenhearted. Being with Jesus and saying, Lord, there's this brokenness in my heart that's caused me to react in this, for this, in this situation in this way. Like, where is that coming from, right? Could be an old wound. Could be a father wound. It could be a childhood wound. It could be whatever. But it's a, it's a wound that needs healed, right? And the more we can go to the Lord with that and ask the Lord to enter into that with us so he can bring love, Right? Remember, the, I don't know, many of you have heard the say, me say this before, right? Like there's an acronym, like, is it right? A-R-R-R, right? I acknowledge what I'm feeling and thinking in the moment. I relate it to the Lord, right? Why? So I, I share with the Lord every aspect of what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and I, what the experience is. I relate it to the Lord, so that I can, and I invite him into it with me, so I can receive. What am I going to receive? Love. Because the Lord can only love. Right? He can only love. So he comes in with love, right? And so if I'm receiving love, then I'm going to respond very differently. I'm going to respond out of love, because remember, we, re we respond out of what's in our hearts. Right? So if I'm receiving love, the Lord's love, I'm going to respond to the situation now in a loving way versus in an unloving way. So A R R R. <laughs> right? That helpful? Hi, I'm Kristen from St. Thomas Aquinas, and somewhere I remember reading taking every thought captive. Like if something comes to your mind and you're wondering, like, oh, is that from, where is that coming from? Something about taking every thought captive and kind of praying about it or something like that? Depends on what the thought is. Okay. We shouldn't be captivated on every thought because some thoughts aren't worth being captivated on. We should reject them because they're from the evil one, right? He wants to draw us away, right? I mean, how many of us have sexual thoughts? Regularly. <laughs> you don't? How do you do it? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you do it. So what do you do with those? Or, or these images come to mind, sexual images come to mind, for example. Right? 
Do you entertain them? Or do you reject them? You have to reject them. You do. Or you're thinking ill of somebody. You think, does the Lord want that? No. So when that thought comes, you reject it. I'm not going there. Because now you're rejecting the evil one and you're turning to the Lord. Right? So it's rejecting. You know, we get thoughts all the time. I mean, they, you know, a sexual thought is not a sin, just so you know that. I'm just going to tell you that. It's not a sin. It's how you entertain it and what you do with it and where it leads you. That's when it becomes, moves down the path of sin. But just to have a sexual thought, the Lord created us sexual human beings, right? So we're going to have them. And they could be homosexual thoughts. That's not a sin in and of itself. Could be a transgender thought. That's not a sin in and of itself, right? It's a thought. It's just a thought. But how we entertain it and what we do with it and where it leads us, that determines whether it leads us to the Lord or it leads us to sin. And the evil one will be somewhere in the middle, trying to convince you to, oh, this, you should entertain this, this, this image, you should just go with it. Because what time, what happens with images sometimes? You know, how do people get hooked on pornography? Begins with images, I think. And they begin to entertain them. And somebody introduces them to websites and so on, or they discover them on their own, and then it becomes a, then, then it goes, you go down the slippery slope. The evil wants us to go down that slippery slope because, you know, as Catholics, as Christians, as I said earlier, he has no power unless we give it to him, right? So he has to be more subtle with us. And he will be more subtle with us. And that subtleness oftentimes is, at the heart of it, I believe, is a slippery slope. And he has more patience than God, right? So he's in no hurry. Because he, he knows it's going to take a long time for him to get me to turn completely away from God. Right? And he has to work harder. He has to be more subtle. And he has all the time in the world. But he has no power over me because I don't give it to him. Or at least I try not to. Right? I mean, we, I do give it to him sometimes because I don't turn to the Lord in whatever the situation might be. You know? I mean, you're driving down the road, right? Somebody's going too slow in front of you. Uh, don't you hate that? Don't you just hate that? Like, what goes through your mind when you, when you, what, what, what's going through your mind when that happens? What are you thinking about that individual? I mean, think about that. This is just a regular, normal, practical thing in life. Someone's driving slow. You're behind them. And you're getting irritated. And what are you thinking about that person? Is it godly things? No. So you can see where the evil one is tempting you to demean this person. They may not be hearing it, but it's in our hearts, right? And the next thing, you're cussing, right? Have you ever done that? <laughs> I mean, so, you, so that's, just a, that's just a normal human experience. But where is that thought, that, that situation... That leads to thoughts about this person and where is it leading you other than to an act of uncharity of the heart, which is a sin. That should be confessed. Really? It should be. It should be. 
<laughs> Why should it be confessed? Let me. That's an important question. Should it be? Yes, it should be. Why? Because we should confess acts of uncharity. That's an act of uncharity. Even though you may have talked to them personally, not talked to them personally, we should confess the sinful attitudes in our hearts if we want to get rid of them. The Lord, as I said, and I've talked about the sacrament of penance, the Lord does not heal sins. The sin is in action. The Lord heals sinful hearts. right? He heals sinful attitudes, those things that cause us to act out in this way. Right? So they should, yes, they should be confessed. Even though it's a venial sin, convenial sins should be, should be confessed. Otherwise, they're like interest. They compound daily. <laughs> right? They do. They do. And we think, oh, that's, you know, that was just that. How many of you want to grow in holiness? Then confess those uncharitable thoughts. And the priest may say, oh, you don't need to do that. I'm telling you, you should do it. Don't listen to the priest if he tells you don't do it. Don't. Because that is connected to, that's connected to the Spirit of God in us. That's not living in this love. Right? Uncharity is not love. It's not. It's coming out of a brokenness in my heart that's not receiving love. So this, when I confess it, in confession, what I'm doing is I'm asking the Lord, as I confess, it's a sinful attitude, you know? And, and you might confess a sin where it was a lack of charity toward this, and this was the situation, and that's fine. That's an action. It's an, it's a, it's an interior action. But as we begin to explore our own hearts, what caused me to think that way, right? Because I don't have patience. I have lacked the virtue of patience, right? I mean, that's what it is. If somebody's driving slow in front of me and I get upset, it's because I don't have any patience. I'm not living the virtue of patience. I'm living the vice of impatience, right? And it's leading me down to a, a path, it's leading, leading me down a path to sin, right? Does this make sense? You know, so if we want to grow in holiness, if we want to grow in this life in Jesus, if we want to receive healing from Jesus, we have to think about these things and we have to be in touch with the things in our own hearts that the evil one knows better than we do. And he wants us to act uncharitably. It's like a, it's like a, it's a star in his category. That's why he put that slow person in front of you. You know? The slow people are okay unless I'm late for something. <laughs> Why are you late for something? Whose fault? Whose fault is that? And you're blaming it on them. <laughs> so what does that say? So what in my what in my heart needs healed? Why am I late? Well, sometimes it's just circumstances. Sometimes it's always. Right? If it's always, then there's something wrong there. You know, why do I always, why am I always late? Right? Because then sometimes if I'm late to something, if I'm late to a meeting, for example, that's an act of uncharity toward all of those people that showed up on time. Right. And we can't start the meeting on time because people are not here. That's an act of uncharity. So we don't, we don't think in those terms, Right? We don't, I mean, just, these are just practical things, day-to-day -day practical things, you know? 
We don't think about them as things like that as sin. And it may not be, it may, it may not be a sin in which we are culpable for, but it leads us down a slippery slope. It's, 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 it's you know, sin, it's uncharity, right? And we all want healing from uncharity. We want charitable hearts, not uncharitable hearts. Certain circumstances, but, you know, some people always come late to a meeting. And I think it's because they choose to come late. And that's sinful. If that's a choice, then that's sinful. Because it's a lack of respect for all the people that come on time so we can start the meeting on time. But we don't think in those terms. You know, how, how, are, how is this action or, or lack of action impacting the people around me, the people that are a part of the equation, whatever that situation might be? We don't think about it. We think about ourselves. And selfishness is a sin, by the way. Uh, my name is Pat. Uh, uh, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, our sister. It's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. There you go. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Very good. Thank you. We have a question over here. Oh, do you have one? Okay, since you're there. I wasn't here for both. Oh, my name is Roseanne, and I go to, I've been starting to go to St. Agnes in Sanford. And I wasn't here for both the previous talks, but I was wondering. You're on the we, website. Okay, I'll check them no. out. Um, I was wondering when we pray, when we pray out loud, does Satan hear us? Or when we, and when we pray quietly in our mind, and God can hear us. But if we pray out loud, does Satan hear those prayers and try to complicate everything? That's a really good question. I would say yes. He hears prayers because he can hear. I mean, All our thoughts. he's a spirit, right? So he can hear it. He can't read our thoughts, though. I mean, he can hear us, right? No, so I'm not saying that. I didn't say that at all. Those words not, did not come out of my mouth. <laughs> I think sometimes praying out loud helps to be focused. You know, so and so what if he hears it? We want him to we want him to hear those prayers because he makes him stay away from us. Right? Don't you think? If he hears us praising God, you know, he's not gonna get too close to us. Right? Because he knows he's going to get slammed. <laughs> right? Because he has no power. Right? He's not going to... When we're praying out loud, praising the Lord, he has no power. He can't touch us because we're praising God. Right? God is our shield. It's our refuge, our strength. Right? And he has no power as long as we're... But, and, he, and he can't read our thoughts or our minds. So, so we're safe there. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> There's a question back here. Yeah, hi, uh, Matt Bersano. Uh, I've been going to St. Anne's in Linwood. So my question is about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So I know that the church requires us to go to a confession once a year. They say if you're going a couple times, like every month or two months, that you're doing quite well as a Catholic. But um, I talked to a, a priest a couple months ago by now, but he said like the not that the sacrament changes, but that 
there's kind of like different types of confession where there's the, I don't want to call it the oblig obligatory confession, but there's like the, you go the once a month, every couple months, so when you have a mortal sin, but then there's like a regular type of confession that you can go to that's more ceremonial or whatnot, communal, I don't know. And so is, could you explain that a little bit? Like, is that where, like, kind of that's where the venial sins, like, it's not more, you're not in a state of mortal sin, but you still say to confess the venial. Is that kind of, like... Convenial sins compound daily, like interest, right? We should go to... Let me, let me put it this way. Let me frame confession in a beautiful way. Can I add one more thing? Right, so I'll add the one last thing. So I've, I heard that there's like a pope who went to confession daily. And so, I mean... Imagine that. that. Huh? Imagine that. I know, right? <laughs> like, how, how bad could those sins have been, right? But he confessed, and so... It's, it's, it's his conscience, so yeah. how bad is that? I don't know. Again, it's kind of like what I was talking about. I mean, how often do we get irritated, right? How often do we get impatient? You know, who knows what he confesses? I mean, that's between him and God, but, you know. Let, let, me, let me put, so all sacraments are what? All seven sacraments are a personal encounter with Jesus. That's baseline. We got to start there. Okay? The sacrament of penance is a beautiful personal encounter with his merciful love, right there, right? That blood and water flowing out of the side of Christ, his pierced side, right? So it's a beautiful encounter. Regardless of the priest, you know, the priests, many priests are terrible confessors and they don't really, they don't know how to be a confessor. And probably because they don't go to confession themselves. I'm just going to say that. 30% of priests, you know, historically or statistically don't go to confession. So um, that saddens me. I'm not saying that's in this diocese. This is all around. This is across the country. Okay. So the sacrament of penance is a beautiful personal encounter with Jesus and his merciful love. It's a sacrament of healing. So, how many of us need healing? <laughs> so, why would we stay away? Because the evil one doesn't, the worst thing, I said this before, the evil one, more than anything, he does not want you to go to confession. More than anything. Why? Because you will receive this unadulterated, merciful love of Jesus. And he doesn't want you to receive that. Right? Because then he has even a less chance of taking hold of you. Right? So just kind of keep that in perspective. And he will convince you, well, why don't you just wait till next week? That's okay. I'll wait till next week. Right? The thoughts on my, I should go to confession, then you get busy, and well, I don't really have time for it. Well, you just have given in to the temptation of the evil, and I don't really have time for it. Right? If it comes across your mind that you should go, you should go and not listen to the temptation. Well, I don't have time for this today, or I can wait till next week, or. It's freedom. Like, who's encouraging you to go to confession today? You. The Holy Spirit, right? I mean, I don't mean, so, you know, so when you don't, when you think, you, it goes through your mind, I should go to confession today. Like, who's encouraging you to, who's saying that to you? One, your own conscience, but the Holy Spirit. 
And you say, well, I don't, I don't have time, or I'll wait to wait till next week. And then next week comes, and you don't go. And next week comes, you don't go. And then it's down this slippery slope, right? Venial sins, you know, it's like interest, compound daily. Do you, do you right? have to confess? Like, what if, like I don't go that often because I think, and not that I think I'm a saint, but I think, what am I going to say? What did I do? What, like, can I just go? That's back? where, it, that's where, <laughs> that's what's important is a take time and do an examination of conscience. Think back on all the experiences, all the encounters you've had with other people, all the thoughts you've had, you know, things you've said that you think you shouldn't have said. You know, you have to, it's, it's all about examining our conscience, right? What ways in my life have I not loved? Either in the form of a sin of omission or a sin of commission. I rarely hear in confession sins of omission, rarely. So that means people don't think about opportunities that they had to love and they chose not to do it. That's a sin of omission, right? So let me get back to your question. So it's this beautiful sacrament. We're going way over. Is that okay? I don't want to. Feel free to leave if you want, if you have to be somewhere. But I want to answer this question because I think it's important. So is there... You, know, you have to go to, you cannot go to communion if you have a mortal sin on your soul and you have not confessed it. Otherwise, you're committing a sacrilege and it's even a greater sin. It deepens that sin, right? So you have to think in your mind, what have I committed a mortal sin and what would that be? As I said earlier, the sacrament of penance is a sacrament of healing. And so, yes, we want to come and com commit or confess these actions that were unloving, right? These sinful acts, we want to confess those, it's important. But how many of you confess the same things month after month after month? Over and over and over again. You come into the confession, Father, I confess this every time. Right? Why do you confess it every time? Don't you want to get rid of that? I mean, how many of us, how many of you want to go to confession and never have to confess this sin again? It's possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. Because what you're doing is you're confessing an action, right? What's causing that action? What's in your heart that's broken, that needs healing, that's causing you to act out in this? Because remember I said, whatever's in our heart is what comes out in our actions. It's the way the Lord's hardwired us. So it's important to get in touch with what is causing me to sin, to commit this sin. And, and think about that and ask the Lord to reveal that to you. And then even though that's the sin, so that's a sinful attitude, right? Or a sinful disposition. And that's not, a, that's not in itself, that's not a culpable sin. But when we start getting in touch with that and bringing that to confession, then the Lord starts healing that area of our heart. And over time, as we continue to confess this sinful attitude, I mean, in, in many ways, what it is, it's a, sin, it's, it's a, it's a vice. What's, we begin to get in touch with the vices and the virtues. You know, the seven, <clears throat> the seven deadly sins and the seven heavenly virtues, <clears throat> right? But as we begin to get in touch, if we come to know ourselves and we start confessing these sinful dispositions and ask the Lord for healing of that because he's, he's, he heals a broken heart. He doesn't heal a broken sin. 
right? He heals a broken heart that acts out in a certain way, that thinks in a certain way. Then we, we will find ourselves, eventually that sin will go by the wayside because, because the area of our heart where that sinful attitude or the sinful disposition comes is healed. Like healing of our hearts is an inside job. Right? We have to be healed. And it's coming, it comes from wounds, right? It's wounds. And so this is why more frequent confession is important and getting in touch with ourselves, right? And thinking about, you know, where haven't I loved? How haven't I loved? You know, I mean, I would never fault the Pope for going to confession daily. That means he's very much aware of his sinful dispositions. It's not so much the acts, it's the sinful dispositions. And he wants healing because the Lord Jesus can only heal our hearts. And that's what the sacrament of penance is all about. It's a sacrament of healing, right? Yes, we want to confess actions, but again, we, it's important to get in touch with what's causing that. And even outside of confession, as we pray, we spend the time with Jesus, right? This quiet prayer time in Jesus. And I, I get in touch with what's in, you know, I think about that and I think about the day and think about how I didn't love this person in, in that particular situation and in the moment I ask for forgiveness at the end of the day for that but then I want to confess it later right but, but then I begin to pray for healing Lord pray heal this area of my heart you know that's not receiving your love because I'm acting out in this way right? does that make sense yes. you know so you know people have to decide on themselves how frequently they're going to go to confession but I'll, I'll, let me put it this way How many, of, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, this is a rhetorical question. <laughs> how many of you, how many times, you know, how often do you say uncharitable things to your spouse? And how often, and you realize it, and how often do you say you're sorry and ask forgiveness? What if we've never asked someone we're supposed to love dearly and we never asked for forgiveness? Where does that take you down the slippery slope? I believe that many of our divorces today is because people, couples cannot say, I am sorry, will you forgive me? If that was an integral part of a love relationship, those marriages would be very strong, I believe, today. Now, let's kind of transfer that over to this relationship with Jesus. Imagine saying you're sorry to Jesus in the sacrament of penance once a year, once every three or four years, five years, 30 years. kind of a relationship would you have with Jesus? It would be all on the surface. It'd be all on the surface. Just like that couple that never say they're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Their relationship is all on the surface. They don't know what love really looks like. They don't know what love really feels like. Right? Or should look like 
what true love looks like, right? The same way with the sacrament of penance, you know? I can't imagine. I was there once. I'll have to tell you that story some other time, but um, for confession was not all that important. You know? And people don't go to confession because they're afraid. And the evil one wants you to be afraid because then you won't go. It's all tied up in fear. Right? That's fear. Oh, am I going to do it right? Am I going to say the right things? You know, I'm afraid I don't know what I can tell them. Man, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, all these things, all these, all these, all these reasons, this rationale, it comes out of a place of fear. I promise you, it does. Fear and pride, and they're connected. They're married. Fear and pride are married together. They're spouses, if you will. So, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but. It's important, you know, I can't imagine. I can't imagine, you know. But if we want to be healed, if we want our hearts healed, not the actions, the hearts have to be healed before the actions go away. So the sacrament of penance should be an important part. I tell people if we're serious about our relationship with Jesus, then the sacrament of confession and penance will be an important part of our spiritual life. If we're not serious about our relationship with the Lord, then it's not going to be. Simple as that. I don't go to confession out of obligation. I go to confession out of love of Him and what He's done for me. That's why I go. So, all right. Question? Just a comment. For me, I was prepared to study the more you do, there you go. There you go. All right. I think we've gone along enough. So I'm going to conclude with a prayer. And since we cut on that, I'm going to pray a different prayer. I'm going to pray with, I'm going to, you're going to pray with me, but I'll, you, you can pray along with me, but you can just listen. It's a prayer for inner healing, okay? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you came to heal our wounded and troubled hearts. I beg you to heal the torments that cause anxiety in my heart. I beg you in a particular way to heal all who are the cause of sin. I beg you to come into my life and heal me of the psychological harms that struck me in my early years and from the injuries that they have caused throughout my life. Let me just make a comment on that part. Nobody had perfect parents. Okay? And so there there's psychological effects of our childhood that we carry into adulthood, whether we realize it or not. Lord Jesus, you know my burdens. I lay them all on your good shepherd's hearts. I beseech you by the merits of the great open wound in your heart to heal the small wounds that are mine. Heal the pain of my memory so that nothing that has happened to me will cause me to remain in pain and anguish filled with anxiety. Heal, O oh Lord, all those wounds that have been the cause of all the evil that is rooted in my life. I want to forgive all those who have offended me. Look to those inner sores that make me unable to forgive. You who came to forgive the afflicted of heart, 
Please heal my own hearts. Heal, my Lord Jesus, those intimate wounds that caused me physical illness. I offer you my heart. Accept it, Lord. Purify it and give me the sentiments of your divine heart. Help me to be meek and humble. And heal me, O Lord, from any pain caused by the death of my loved ones, if it is oppressing me. Grant me to regain peace and joy in the knowledge that you are the resurrection and the life. Make me an authentic witness to your resurrection, your victory over sin and death, and your living presence. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go now in the peace of Christ.